Hey strangers, welcome to episode 11 of season two, The Strange Sessions. I'm Krista, and with me is someone who is no longer riddled with shingles, <laughs> only just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Kurt, how, right. how you feeling, Kurt? Much better. Good. Shingles sucks. If, it, yeah. if you've never had shingles, shingles sucks. No, no, but I've heard it's really, really painful. And it seems like just last episode when you and Rhonda were yelling at me to go to the doctor, uh-huh. which I did. Uh-huh. And what we thought was Lyme disease, turns out it was shingles. Which is good. Because yeah, Lyme disease isn't, you know. That can affect you for years and have neurological yeah. things going on. And shingles, while painful, is short-lived if you get treatment right away. So. Yeah, so it sucked. Last week I was laid up pretty much, sat on the couch, watched a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. Um, also passed out when they took my blood, which is the first time in my life I have ever passed out. I've come close. Passing out sucks. Yeah. I thought I thought you would pass out and then you wake up feeling kind of refreshed like it was a little nap. No, <laughs> I, I, it jacked me up all day after Wishful that. I thinking. hated that. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I have no idea why I passed out. Does blood? Your, no, no, that no. Doesn't make I, you... you know, I don't. It's not giving blood isn't my favorite thing in the world, but I'm not deathly afraid of it. And you know, when she took took a couple of vials or whatever, maybe it was just the stress it could and have the been. fear of what was coming. It could have been. Yeah, but passing out sucks, so I don't recommend that. To anybody. Don't pass out. Don't pass out. Well, I'm glad you feel better. Thank you. Glad you're here. Thank you. I still feel weird. I still feel the last couple of days I'm I felt sure really still in spacey. your system. Yeah. Like just not spacier than usual. Spacier than usual. <laughs> and that's pretty spacey. <laughs> do we have any housekeeping? Um, we do actually. Uh we finally have our own P.O. box. Oh, that's right. So that's exciting stuff. No pipe bombs or white powder, please. Yeah, no, no edibles. <laughs> you know who you are. Um, our P.O. box address, if anybody wants to send us, we want postcards. Yeah. We would love to decorate our studio here with postcards. Totally. So our address is The Strange Sessions, P.O. box 434, Manitowoc. That's M-A-N-I-T-O-W-O-C. Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. Pretty excited to see what we get. I, I checked today if before we anything. came in. We got, it was absolutely nothing. All right. I think I looked through and saw the mailman looking at me in the, <laughs> the back area. Giving you the shrug, like, Yeah, sorry. like, sorry, nobody likes you. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll send us something anonymously so that we feel good. Yeah, just send us something, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we sound desperate. Yeah, we do. We got one postcard and we're like hungry for more. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We, Was that we'd like, Sophie? Yeah, Sophie. Sophie and Adam. Nice. So we love getting postcards, so please send us anything you guys would like. And I wanted to say that a couple episodes from now, episode 15 will be our second listener submission Ooh, episode. Nice. Exciting. And do we, we have were, any? Yeah, there were a oh, couple good. that we forgot the first time. Remember oh. one of Britney's? Oh, we forgot right. that. And Sorry, I've, talked, I've talked to a couple people since that one that said that they have stories. So the next time we do one, they're going to send us their stories. Okay. So it's still a little ways away. I think yeah. we still have like, uh, I suck at math. This is 11 and that one's 15. So we mm-hmm. still have like four weeks, a few weeks. And something then like uh, something like that. <laughs> and then we'll have that. So math. we'll bug you more when it gets closer to that. But I think that's really all we have. For yeah, we're gonna bug you real good. We want your stories. If we don't, those we are my favorite episodes. Actually, I love. I love. Yeah, a lot of people really stories. like that. Cool. And another I think thing Dash. I want to didn't Dash say he had some stuff yes. that he gets to share. Yeah, I've okay. talked to a couple people that have cool. things to share. And another thing is, if you're listening to this and you aren't a member of the closed group, the strangers on Facebook, you should be. Yeah. 
because it's been very active and something big just hit our window and I don't know <laughs> what the heck that was. So like something was tapping on yeah, the window. It did. I guess it was. So uh, what was I saying now? Oh, if you haven't joined the strangers, if you, you haven't should. joined the strangers, please join the strangers. Yeah, a lot of good discussions, some funny stuff, some you know, posts related to episodes, yeah. upcoming topics, things like that. Our listener All Nicole posted, posted the thing about uh, Australia yeah. not actually existing, <laughs> according to Flat Earthers. It's all paid actors, apparently. It is. Hmm. I need to get that job. I don't I wonder know if why they I moved. What is it, Greenland? What is? I the... don't know because they, according to Flat Earthers, when they go around the world, they're actually just going in a circle because felt like something was crawling on my neck and I just freaked out. Sorry, <laughs> she did freak Sorry, out. I totally freaked out. She, yeah, she. That <laughs> was, was a freak out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you all jumpy? I don't know. <laughs> it really freaked me out. Okay. Sorry. It's just her necklace. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need to do an investigation everybody, everybody for calm that. calm down. <laughs> so Mostly me. I'll just... EVPs need... from your necklace. Yeah. <laughs> I derailed the whole podcast. I, know. <laughs> I totally forgot what we were talking about. I told you. I'm still a little dizzy and out of it. Um, oh, about the flat earthers. Yeah. So there's just been lots of good articles the one about the bigfoot family that they apparently <laughs> love seen that before they love blueberry bangles which that is awesome great. because i love blueberry bangle bangles <laughs> bangles <laughs> i do like the bangles <laughs> walk like an egyptian could you see a bigfoot walking like an egyptian no I think that is great. <laughs> but so join the strangers lots of good stuff posted in there and i think that's all we really have for any kind of housekeeping slash news okay any new members we want to shout out yes i would like uh, Mark, that was on our podcast last time, started adding people to the group that don't listen to the podcast yet. So if any of you that he added listen to the podcast and like it, let us know. Send me a message, and we will give you a personal shout-out. But these people are listeners that have signed up for The Strangers since our last episode. And they are Dominic Fritzky Brenny, Jonathan M. Oeda. Jen Lund and Matthew Davis Horn. Hmm, Thank you guys for joining the strangers and for liking the podcast. So I work with a Jen Lund. I wonder if it's the same person. It probably is. Interesting. I don't actually know her though. Like she works in a completely different building, but I know the name. Maybe it's not. That's probably a pretty common. Do you have any personal shout outs to give? Um, I don't think so. Want to give one to Mark and Rhonda for joining us yeah. last week for yeah. last episode for the EVP episode. That was fun. It, when I listened to that, it I amazes just love me. hanging out with. I know them, we had one, s- but... our ghost hunting group was such a fun group of people. Yeah, it really. I was. shouldn't say was because we're technically we still, still together, fun. but we just don't do it anymore. And we're still fun. <laughs> oh yeah, we're still fun. <laughs> yeah. And Barry, we need to get you on here. I know. I just want to see Barry. I know it's been forever. If we can get a podcast out of her, I'd be happy. And I want to give a personal shout out to our listener, Liz. She knows who she is. She uh, is into the same. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before that I'm like obsessed with these. They're called armchair treasure hunt books where you look at the art and there's like puzzles in the book. And if you can figure out the puzzles, you can go to wherever something is buried and dig it up. You know, like the secret. We've talked about the secret on here. That's the one where there's one in Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. And she's like totally into these. And she's like the only other person I met that loves these armchair treasure hunts so Hmm. her and i have been talking and she's awesome so i just wanted to give her a shout out and thank you liz for listening thanks liz and i think anything else no i'm ready for a taste test okay you're ready for a taste test do it the taste test. i realized today that it kind of fits in with the theme of this episode with the topic oh because the topic of the episode is men Men in in black. black yeah 
And I've had other things by this brand before. I had the original ones, and I really like it. So today we have Harvest Snaps Black Bean Ooh. Chips Mango Chili Lime. Ooh, I'm excited about those. I had the I have the regular peas or the green beans, and it's yeah. really good. But I've never had the black bean crisps and the mango chili no, lime. No, I've tried the bean ones, too, and those are really yeah. good. So we are going to try, I figure, black bean, men in black. Yeah. yeah it's kind of. I can see it. I'll buy. Okay. I'll bite. I'm not at 100%, Literally, I'll so bite. it made sense to my my <laughs> shingles-addled mind. So we will try this. Want a picture? Yes, before you destroy it. So you ready? I'm ready. See, and a chili in there, so it might be spicy, but the thing is, okay, if, Kurt, I'm, if I'm mentally prepared for spiciness, it's one thing, then I'm okay with it. Are you mentally prepared I, for spicy? I am. I okay. am. I'm always prepared for spicy. I've aligned my chakras and... It's not going to harsh your mellow or anything? It might harsh my mellow. So I work for a company that makes food. It smells weird. And one of our products is called Firecracker, and it is like crazy spicy. Oh, I think it smells good. I'm going to grab a couple. Yep. And I love spicy. Like, Ugh. make your nose run. Gross. Your lips burn. Gross. Ready? Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I completely miss my mouth. Miss his mouth. Mm. Mm. Oh, these are really good. It's actually really good. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not. They're getting, like sweet and salty. I'm That's not getting. I'm not getting any spicy. I am. There's a tiny little bit of heat. Those are actually mm. really good. They're really good. Hmm. It's not Cool Ranch Doritos good, but it's good. <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to find an angle that. That's like a whole lot of flavors and, and things going on there. I'm trying to get... Come on. Sorry. It looks like a joint when you're holding it like that. <laughs> I got to hold it like this. <laughs> come on, stupid thing. It won't focus in on it because it's like too small. Yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> I knew that was coming. It's actually not bad like nutrition-wise no. too. Mm -mm. It's got protein... Not super high in carbs. Got four grams of fiber. That's actually a lot. Awesome. It's actually pretty good. It's the, the heat is very, very minor. Yeah. Even I'm not whining about it, so you know it's not real <laughs> spicy. Oh, there's a little bit. Mm -hmm. I just got a little bit of it. Probably depends on how heavy the seasoning is on mm -hmm. the one you happen to grab. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I guess, like you said, you're right, though. There's a whole lot of, there's sweet. Mm -hmm. Salty. There's salty. A little bit of spice. Good crunch. Yeah, I like it. Can you hear the crunch? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they can. It almost, it's like a weird texture though. Like, um, have you ever had those veggie straws? Yeah, that's it's kind of, that's that, exactly almost, what that texture is I like. I almost describe it like how I imagine styrofoam would be, but in a good way. You know what I mean? I know what oh, you my, mean. my throat's burning a little. Yeah, mine is too now. That's good. I'm taking more though. Me too. So what do you think? Out of 10? I give this like a 10. Seriously? I could eat this all day, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it an 8. I like sweet, and I like salty, and I like crunchy. And this is all of those things wrapped into one delicious treat. I'm going to give it an 8. And it's healthy. I wouldn't well, buy it. I wouldn't buy it to eat it on my own at home. But if somebody had it, I would eat it. Right now. Oh. Okay. Oh, gluten-free. 
I say healthy, and I I know it's processed and whatever, but if you're going to buy something processed off the shelf, I mean, I actually recognize the majority of the ingredients. The first ingredient is black beans. That's good. Hmm. Good one. I like it. So you get a 10. I give it an 8. All right, good. All right. Have I given anything a 10 yet? I don't think so. I don't think I have it either. So yeah, we totally recommend that. That is pretty good. Harvest snaps black bean. Better than I expected. Yeah. Anything else new going on in Christaville? Krista's life? Christaville. <laughs> yeah, my husband and I are still in the middle of selling and buying houses. But I was going to say, selling and buying what? <laughs> you know, horses. No, houses. <laughs> so inspections are done. Waiting for appraisals. Closing at the end of July. Nice. Oh, can't come fast enough. No. I want this whole summer to go by. It's really hot yeah, out today. Yeah, it's really hot right now. Tomorrow, I think tomorrow... The and heat index this weekend is supposed to be 100. Yeah, it's supposed to be like 100 and... I think they said like 105, 100, yeah, 105, something. 110 on Saturday. When when I work in the factory, which is always 10 to 15 degrees hotter inside oh the factory. God. So... That's crazy. Yeah. We don't have air conditioning in our current house, but Ooh. we'll have central air in our new house. That's going to be nice. I can't tell you how badly I wish we were there already. Yeah. We're going to be laying like in our beds with the fan blowing on us, just... You know, spread eagle, not moving. I just hate summer. I'm at, I like I'm at, summer. I just hate the heat. And I'm heat at my heat. happiest when I have a sweatshirt on and it's fall. chilly out fall. and leaves are falling. Mm-hmm. I just don't like summer. I'm just sounding like a grumpy old man lately. <laughs> You're a curmudgeon. I am a curmudgeon. <laughs> wow. So now on to our main story. I know a lot of people mentioned that they were like looking forward to this one. So hopefully it's okay. There's yeah. really not a ton of info out there about these guys there's a lot of stories and stuff like that so that's what i want to hear are the stories there's some uh, creepy this is this is one where i must have went back and forth 10 times about what i which theory oh okay on June 21st, 1947, Harbor Patrolman Fred Chrisman and Harold Dahl were on a work boat near Maury Island in Puget Sound when they saw six donut-shaped objects in the sky. One of the objects seemed to be malfunctioning and ejected some metallic-like debris all over his boat, which injured his son and killed his dog. So many dogs getting killed oh, in these man. stories. Really? Yeah, I read that. They don't know if this is a hoax or not. Okay. Because apparently the son never got injured, and there was no record of the dog because they apparently buried it or buried it at sea after it died from the ship pouring the molten metal on it okay so suspicious yeah Dahl claims that the next morning a strange looking man dressed in a black suit appeared at his door and invited him for breakfast at a nearby diner (laughs) so it's a polite man in black (laughs) at least sure is even though Dahl had not told many people about the incident, the man, who was assumed to be military or government representative, disclosed while they ate details about what had happened the previous day as if he had been there in person. The man made a veiled threat against his family if Dahl were to talk about what he had seen. He said cryptically, I know a great deal more about this experience of yours than you will ever want to believe. Lieutenant Frank Brown, an Air Force intelligence officer, and Captain William Davidson were called in to look at the mysterious metal that was seen falling from one of the crafts. They believed the metal to be nothing more than aluminum slag. They boarded the plane to return them to their base, but the men were killed when their plane caught fire and crashed on the return trip. There are conflicting reports about whether the strange metal was on the plane with them or whether or not the whole thing was a hoax, 
but the Maury Island incident is often cited as one of the first appearances of a man in black. Hmm. Very polite one. Yeah. Although veiled threats aren't exactly polite. No, not at all. Although there have been miscellaneous accounts of men in black or men in black type sightings throughout the 20th century, the case of Albert Bender is usually cited as the start of the men in black phenomenon. In 1952, Bender started an organization called the International Flying Saucer Bureau, or IFSB, and he started a publication called Space Review that was dedicated to news of flying saucers. It quickly got a small but very loyal readership. Kind of sounds like our podcast. Very small (laughs) but loyal group. Then, suddenly in 1953, the latest issue of Space Review came with a bulletin that said, quote, The mystery of the flying saucers is no longer a mystery. The source is already known, but any information about this is being withheld by order from a higher source. We would like to print the full story in Space Review, but because of the nature of the information, we are very sorry that we had been advised in the negative. We advise those engaged in saucer work to please be very cautious. Saucer work. (laughs) Saucer work. Bender then stopped publication of Space Review and dismantled the IFSB. People questioned why he was ending his work, but Bender wouldn't discuss it. In 1956, fellow IFSB member Gray Barker published the book, They Know Too Much About Flying Saucers. In it, Barker discussed Bender's experiences and possibly coined the phrase, Men in Black. In 1962, Bender himself published a book called Flying Saucers and the Three Men, in which he talked about the mysterious circumstances that caused him to cease operations. According to Bender, just a day or two after he started the IFSB, he started experiencing strange phenomena. In his book, Bender says, quote, I received a strange phone call while alone in my den. When I lifted the receiver, there was no reply, but I sensed somebody was on the other end of the line, while at the same time, my head began to spin and ache. No voice answered when I spoke, but nevertheless, I seemed to receive a message as if telepathically. So I've heard of this before. Mm -hmm. Okay. The message decreed that I should not delve into the saucer mystery any further. As I listened to the phone, I then heard a strange throbbing humming sound, and then suddenly, as if a knife had cut it out, the noise was gone. I got the usual dial tone without the click of anybody replacing a receiver. Then, a month after this mysterious phone call, Bender went to a local theater to see a movie. In his book, Bender states, quote, I felt like someone had their eyes upon me, with a prickly sensation on the back of my neck, and I began to fidget in my seat. Suddenly, I felt the presence of a person in the seat next to me, although nobody had been there previously. I had heard nobody enter and sit down. I took a quick glance without turning my head, and I saw a man sitting there. Then the eyes drew my attention. I turned my head facing him, and he slowly turned his head to look at me, and I found myself looking straight into two strange eyes, like little flashlight bulbs lighted up on a dark face. The eyes seemed to burn right into me, and I felt a spinning in my head and the movie screen blurred. I blinked my eyes several times, then closed them for a few seconds. When I opened them again, the man was gone, yet I still had heard no movement. Then, glancing at the seat to the left of mine, I found the man sitting there, still looking at me with those eyes. Could I be mistaken in thinking that he had been on the right of me? I couldn't be wrong. Was I losing my mind? The terrible shining eyes deliberately tried to meet mine and hold them in their stare, but I quickly arose and moved to another part of the theater. I probably would have went home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go sit over here. What? How long ago was this encounter? This happened around early 50s. Okay. Yeah, in the early 50s. Then, in July 1953, Bender was visited at his home by three men. 
Bender said, quote, all of them were dressed in black clothes. They looked like clergymen, but wore hats similar to the Hamburg style. What's that? That's like a, a f- when you when you see an old fashioned picture of somebody with a hat, that's kind of what like the old fashioned, the old style fashion hats. <laughs> I'm picturing like a top hat. I'm guessing that's not it. Or like a fedora kind of hat. Oh, okay. Something like that. I got you. That's actually what I would picture the men in black wearing is like a fedora. A fedora. That's what a lot of them have are fedoras. Okay. These three men in black communicating telepathically and seemingly levitating inches off the floor made it clear to Bender that he was to immediately halt all UFO work. Before departing, these men confiscated copies of Space Review, and as they left, a yellow fog materialized in the house, filling it with the smell of sulfur. So isn't, okay, the hat man. Which yeah. we talked about. Yeah, we've the, discussed the, the hat. The fedora man. is one of the hats that people see yes. him in. Yeah. That's interesting about the smell of sulfur, too, because, of course, that's associated with the devil. Yeah, with hell and, and evil. Demonic type activity. But Bender's stuff is basically considered like the first encounters, encounters with, men, with in men in black. Interesting. So these are some traits of the men in black. Okay. As you guys probably were know. Were they wearing suits? He said they were just wearing black. Yeah, he just said black. He didn't like say he suits, but most people suits say suits. Yeah, with a black tie. Yes. Uh, here are some traits of men in black. The men in black wear black suits with white shirts and black ties and almost always wear a fedora or fedora style hat. Their clothes seem to be brand new and fit perfectly as if they were tailor made. Men in black have unusually broad shoulders and narrow waists, and they walk upright with a stiff gait. They're often described as having olive complexions with Asian or gypsy-like features. Do they have sunglasses on usually? Yeah, a lot of times they do. Eyes are often described as strange or sometimes glowing. Men in black have smooth, featureless skin and a distinct lack of facial hair. It has been suggested that they look like they don't need to shave. So that's weird. Yeah. Men in black tend to speak in a monotonous, mechanical tone, often with a strange accent. They speak formally, using stiff phrases that sound like they come from a Hollywood B-movie script. You know, like an old-fashioned gangster. Yeah. You know, like like the way they talked in old-fashioned 40s, 50s Sure, I know what you mean. This reminds me so much, and we've made this connection so many times, about the black-eyed kids. Mm -hmm. They often travel in groups of three. Sometimes they would take photos of witnesses or investigators, often using a camera that had a blindingly bright flash, which could surprise or disorient the person while the man in black ran or drove away. They would also take pictures of houses after the owner had been witness to something strange. They'd pull up in black Cadillacs, take out a big tripod and heavy camera, set it on the tripod, snap a picture of the house, and put it all back in the car and drive away. It was weird. It's super subtle. <laughs> Men in black use large, black, old-fashioned cars, usually Cadillacs or Lincolns, in the United States, but these cars appear to be brand new and sometimes sport strange logos or insignia. So I wonder, I mean, does this mean that modern or current day encounters, they're still wearing the kind yeah, of fedora yeah, yeah. or driving the old yep. cars? Interesting. Yeah. But there's, we'll get to it a little bit, but there's other ones that are weird too. Uh, and even though people's yards are wet or muddy with rain, they'd walk into the homes with perfectly clean boots or shoes. Do they leave footprints? I don't know. That's what I would like to know. Men in black seem to know things about the UFO witness that they have never told anyone before. Men in black seem capable of doing impossible things like making themselves appear or disappear without a trace. And there are also reports of women in black. 
I've never heard of that. Yes, I've heard that there were a couple accounts of women in black. And then there, some of the accounts say that instead of the women in black, this is the quote that they had, there are three sexy women in tight white uniforms. <laughs> you know, to the powers that be, if you're listening to this and want to persuade me to stop, <laughs> you're better off going with the uh, three sexy women in tight white uniforms. Okay. Or you'll just keep on because that means they'll keep visiting you. Yeah, that, that's right. I'd be like, you ain't going to stop me. <laughs> Come back next week. <laughs> Another strange occurrence, which could be classified as a man in black counter, is that of the phantom meter readers, which is said to happen when a man dressed in coveralls would knock on the door of a house in the suburbs and say that he'd come to read the electric or gas meter. He'd go down in the basement and would never come out. Eventually, after hours had passed, the owners of the house would go check on him. Hours? Sometimes a man would be gone altogether, never to be seen again, even when there was no way out of the basement. Other times, the man would be just starting up the stairs as they opened the door. There were also reports of strange tan men driving black limousines claiming to be census takers. So that's some of the characteristics of the men in black. Okay. Uh, it's all, most of it I've heard before. Yeah, I most mean, of it is... Pretty is, standard stuff. You know, and they, they uh, brought it up I, I, when I listened to the Sofa King podcast that... It's like the observers from the show Fringe. If you've ever yeah. watched the show Fringe, mm-hmm. that's exactly what the men in black are. Well, the I pale think they modeled the Yeah, the observers. pale skin, the fedoras, the sunglasses, yeah. the dark suits. But also, along with Bender, one of the first people that kind of popularized the idea of the men in black was John Keel, who we've mentioned on a bunch of the podcasts. He was the guy with the Mothman. Mm. He was the guy that wrote the Mothman prophecies. Okay. John Keel, in his book, The Mothman Prophecy, spends a lot of time talking about the men in black that just happened to show up around Point Pleasant when the Mothman stuff was going on. That's interesting because I think a lot of people think the men in black only show up after UFO sightings. Yeah. No, Although I suppose the Mothman is an unidentified yeah, the, flying it's, object. It's believed that they show up when people witness strange things that they're not supposed yeah. to. That That's in line with the fringe characters. Yes. yes. But I always associate men in black with specifically with ufos or aliens yeah but uh, john keel was quoted as saying quote the men in black are professional terrorists and among their many duties is the harassment of the ufo researchers who become involved in cases which might reveal too much of the truth the mibs are also assigned to suppress any kind of evidence which might accidentally fall into the hands of innocent people such as photos pieces of metal etc dang mibs yeah the mibs and i'll tell you right now you cannot research this stuff without hearing that freaking will smith men in black it's song in my head right now. yeah it's it was in my head the whole time i was researching this mm-hmm. i don't even like the song mm-hmm. uh, but one example of a man in black type situation that happened during the mothman incidents at 8 15 a.m on february 22nd 1967 mothman witness connie carpenter was walking to school when a black buick pulled up alongside her the driver opened his door and asked her for directions he seemed to be a clean-cut young man of about 25 or so with thick, neatly combed black hair and a deep tan. When Connie got closer to the vehicle, the stranger suddenly ordered her to get in and grabbed her by the arm trying to pull her into his car. Stranger danger. Yeah, she managed to get away and the sleeve of her blouse was ripped in the process. She ran back to her house and locked herself in. The next day, a threatening note was slipped underneath her door reading, quote, be careful, girl, I can get you yet. Was this a kid? Yeah. I mean, that could have just been like some... Yeah. Perv. Yeah. yeah, it could have easily been a perv. Yeah, with the note, be careful, girl, I can get you yet. Yeah, I'm going with perv. Going with perv know. on that one. She just happened to be a witness to the Mothman, though. I mean, yeah. I guess. I, yeah. can, 
I just the deeply tanned. Yeah. That's because, the first I've heard of that. Yeah, because they're generally pale. Pale, yeah. Like pale skin. And then there was Mary Heyer, who was a like almost an assistant to John Keel when he was investigating the Mothman stuff. Okay. So one night in January 1967, reporter Mary Heyer was working late at her office opposite the county courthouse, and an unknown man walked in the door. He was described as very short, less than five feet tall, and had strange, dark, deep-set eyes covered by glasses with thick lenses. He was wearing odd shoes with very thick soles that probably added an inch or two to his height. He had long black hair cut squarely like a bowl cut and spoke in a peculiar, low, halted voice. The man asked for directions to Welsh, West Virginia, and kept getting closer and closer as they talked. His eyes remained fixed on her as he stared at her almost hypnotically. Mary was alarmed by this person, so she brought the newspaper circulation manager to her office, and they spoke to this person together. She said that at one point in the discussion, she answered the telephone and noticed the little man pick up a ballpoint pen from her desk. He looked at it in amazement as though he had never seen one before. He grabbed the pen, laughed loudly, and ran out of the building. <laughs> so, that's so weird. That's creepy. Nothing about that guy sounds like the man in black, No, I, that's the thing is that some of these... Very um, opposite of... I picture them being tall yeah. and not wearing, you know, coke bottle glasses and but there's always this like awkwardness like they don't know like seeing the pen and not knowing what because they're yeah there was one there was one report where the guy the man in black said he sounded weird because he wasn't feeling good and the lady offered him a bowl of jello and he tried to drink it he like (laughs) lifted up the bowl of jello and tried to drink it okay so it's like they don't know what things are right it's just really weird the whole thing is really weird one of the most famous cases is that of Dr. Herbert Hopkins. Then this is the one when As you look in up John. Oh, no, never mind. No, that's John Hopkins. <laughs> you can edit that. Up. <laughs> no, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> I knew what you meant. Um, I was testing you. When you look up, <laughs> when you is look he up, related to John Hopkins, there, he that's might what be his going. second cousin twice removed. <laughs> when you uh, look up stuff about Men in Black, like the Dr. Herbert Hopkins thing, comes up all the time. Okay. So Dr. Herbert Hopkins, a 58-year-old doctor and hypnotist, was acting as consultant on an alleged UFO teleportation case in Maine. One evening, when his wife and children had gone out leaving him alone, the telephone rang and a man identifying himself as vice president of the New Jersey UFO Research Organization asked if he might visit Dr. Hopkins to discuss certain details of the case. Hopkins went to the back door to switch on the lights so that his visitor would be able to find his way from the parking lot. But while he was there, he noticed a man was already climbing up the porch steps. Creepy. There was no car. There was no way that the guy could have called because they didn't have cell phones back then. Right. There was no way the guy could have called and been walking up. As soon as the guy came into the house, uh, Hopkins' dog went crazy, barking, and it went and hid in the closet. Hopkins said, quote, he wore a neatly tailored black suit, black shoes, black socks, and a white shirt with a black tie, and he wore a black derby. You don't see derbies very often, and I thought to myself, this guy looks just like an undertaker. When he sat down, he removed his derby. As he took off his hat, it became apparent that he lacked both hair and eyebrows. His small nose and small ears were set low, his chin receded, and his face was deathly white except for a vivid red gash of a mouth. Hopkins went on to say, quote, His lips were a brilliant ruby red, and he spoke in an expressionless, monotone, scanning speech. He constructed no phrases or sentences, just a sequence of words evenly spaced. 
His voice was completely passive with no inflection or intonation as if you were hearing it from a machine that could talk. He sat perfectly motionless and wore gray suede gloves. He idly brushed his lips with the back of a glove and when he put his hand down, the back of his glove was bright red and the red on his mouth was smeared, so I knew he was wearing lipstick. That's when I could see that his mouth was a perfectly straight slit. Apparently he did not have what we call lips, so the lipstick was put on as a decoy. His mouth was like that of a ventriloquist dummy. Oh my god. That's creepy. So I wonder if when he was talking to him on the phone he sounded strange or did he sound He didn't normal? say. He didn't really say. Hmm. The man informed Hopkins that there were two coins in Hopkins' pocket, which was correct, and asked him to remove one. Hopkins complied and held the coin, a shiny new penny, in the palm of his hand. The MIB told Hopkins to watch the coin closely. After a few moments, the coin took on a silvery appearance and then appeared to be going out of focus. It then began to fade and eventually disappeared altogether. The man in black informed Hopkins that the coin would never be seen on this plane again. He then inquired as to whether Hopkins was familiar with alleged UFO abductee Barney Hill. Hopkins replied that he had heard of Hill, but was under the impression that he had died in the not-too-distant past. The man in black informed Hopkins that that was correct. He said, quote, Barney didn't have a heart, just like you no longer have a coin. Oh. Yeah, so that's creepy. Very. Gently suggesting that Hopkins then destroy any material that he had related to the UFO case. At this point, the man in black's speech started to slow down. He rose slowly and unsteadily to his feet, and he said very slowly, quote, My energy is running low. Must go now. Goodbye. Clinging to the railing. Like his he cl- battery's going to cl- die. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Clinging to the railing, he climbed down the stairs, first one foot on a step, then bringing the other down next to it, rather than going one foot after another like a healthy person. He ran out to the front porch and saw no car leaving and that the stranger had walked in the opposite direction of the way he had had arrived towards a hedge. The doctor went out on the front porch farther, but the man was gone. It was like he just walked off into the front yard and disappeared. Not long after that, Hopkins began experiencing trouble with his telephone. He often picked it up to find the line dead or filled with static, and the patients began to complain that when they called, he either didn't answer his phone or they would get a voice falsely claiming that his number was out of service. On those occasions when a connection was successfully made, it was often mysteriously broken in the middle of a conversation. The local phone company did determine that Hopkins' phone line was being tampered with, but were at a loss to explain how or by whom. Hmm. Weird. So that's that's one of the most famous cases that you're going to hear about the, okay. the man in black. Not John Hopkins. Not John Hopkins. <laughs> Uh, and then he just here's a couple other miscellaneous ones. Okay. In 1967, Robert Richardson was driving his car at night in Toledo, Ohio, when he hit something that he claimed immediately vanished when he hit it. He found a piece of metal that he believed originated from the thing that he had hit. A few days later, two men wearing black hats and sunglasses and driving a black 1953 Cadillac visited Richardson and his home at 11 p.m. to ask questions. A week later, two other men arrived dressed in black suits and asked Richardson to turn over the piece of metal to them. When he informed them that he had sent it for analysis, one of the men said, quote, if you want your wife to stay as pretty as she is, then you'd better get the piece of metal back. Dang. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know what else happened with that case. That was all that was out there. (laughs) His wife's super ugly now. (laughs) The the Sofa King podcast guy said, you know what? What if you didn't like your wife and wanted her killed? This is kind of a (laughs) win-win. You know. In another case, a professor of folklore named Peter Rochowitz, 
told of an experience that occurred one night in the college library while he was reading a book on UFOs that had been recommended to him by a colleague. He was just relaxing in a chair and reading his book when he noticed what appeared to be a leg and a shoe out of the corner of his eye. Before he knew it, there was a man sitting in the chair in front of him. The man immediately asked him about the book he was reading and questioned him on whether or not he had seen UFOs or was that interested in the phenomenon. When the professor stated that he really wasn't that interested in the UFOs subject to begin with and was only reading the book to satisfy the suggestion of a friend, the man became enraged and angrily asked him how he could not be interested in the most important facts of the century. Seemingly satisfied that the professor was not going to dig into the world of UFOs, the man left, but not before telling the professor to, quote, go well on your purpose. Okay, men in black, enough of the mixed signals. Yeah, Either you want exactly. us to look into UFOs That's or why you none, don't. Of, none of this makes sense. Make up your minds. Yeah. I, I don't get it. It doesn't make any no, sense. No, no. It was like he was pissed that the guy didn't want to care about UFOs, right. but then the article suggests that he was satisfied that the professor was not going to dig into the world of UFOs and said, go well on your purpose. Don't so, look into this, but no. I'm angry that you don't want to. However, while it seems like this would be the end of it, it's here that the story takes a turn for the creepy. After the encounter, Rogers Witz got up to walk around the library. However, none of the librarians were anywhere to be seen. The same went for the guards and all the patrons. In fact, as far as he could tell, the library was completely empty except for him. The professor returned to his chair and attempt to gather his wits. In about half an hour, according to the professor, he decided to get up and look around again, and this time he found that everything and everyone was where it should be. Oh, that's weird. That's weird. It's like a weird time slip yeah. or something. Okay. Uh, the next story. Okay, here though, first, if that were me, if I walked around and everybody was gone, I would hightail out of there. I wouldn't be like, I think I'll sit around for another yeah. half hour and yeah. see what happens. Yep. In another one, there was a girl named Christine that was a career military person. She was a pilot and flew in the armed forces of the United States, and she was a member of the infamous Tailhook Association, which is an association for Navy fighter pilots. The name Tailhook comes from the hook of the back of fighter jets that is used to catch the planes when they land on an aircraft carrier. So she knows her stuff. I mean, she's, sure. yeah. Here's what Christine said. Quote, one night a large UFO showed up and hovered over the base for about 40 minutes. Everybody saw it. We were all pilots, and we knew that it wasn't ours. We could also tell because the brass didn't know what it was either. When it left, it took off at phenomenal speed. What's brass? The brass is like the, the, the officers, like the, okay. the generals and all that stuff. The next day, a bunch of black sedans showed up on the base. Each sedan had four guys all dressed in black with hats. They got out and went to every building on the base and, quote, encouraged us not to talk about what we saw. I'm not easily intimidated. I know how to use a firearm, and I've flown in plenty of combat conditions, but these guys meant business. What's weird is that they could just waltz onto a military base, yep. and nobody yep. stopped them? Yeah. Or, that's weird. Another man in black, uh, it's, I don't know if this one is a man in black encounter or a man in black type creature encounter. This one is weird. Took place in the seaside town of Scarborough, North Yorkshire in 1968. A girl, who was 16 at the time, answered the door to what appeared to be a very strange insurance salesman. He was tall, wore a black suit and tie, and had a florid complexion. What's that mean? Yeah, it means flushed. He, was like a very, he had a very flushed complexion. After staring at the 16-year-old girl and smiling for an unnerving length of time, he seemingly jerked into action and asked the girl, Do you have insurance? Is it now? <laughs> <laughs> the girl later remarked that his voice seemed to be computerized. She suggested that the insurance salesman come back later when her parents were home. At that moment, the man suddenly began to sweat profusely. 
He removed his hat to reveal a bald and extremely pale head. She could now see that he was wearing makeup to darken his face. Can I have a glass of water? The man in black asked. Inviting the man in, because this was before stranger danger, the girl fetched him a glass of water, and he took the glass of water, looked at it for a while, and then set it down. Which is weird. He didn't drink it. He just looked at the glass of water and then set it down. He knew it was the right thing to ask for, but had no idea what to do with it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he just stared at it for a while and then set it down. Next, he turned his attention to a clock on the mantelpiece. The girl told the man in black that the clock was her father's retirement present, at which he seemed baffled. He asked, quote, is it your father's time? Is it here and now? Then the man in black seemed to freak out like a malfunctioning robot. He kept repeating, your father, his time, your father, his time, over and over and became stiff and immobile. Turning to the door, he had to use his hands to lift one of his legs to move. He told the girl to watch the lights before leaving in a hurry, disappearing down the street impossibly quickly. The girl soon went to her bedroom and found the room filled with small bright lights which danced around before exiting through a window. So many of these <laughs> encounters suggest that these are some kind of android. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I've we'll, never we'll, really heard that yeah, before. Yep. And one of the more famous people that is said to have an encounter with a man in black is Dan Aykroyd. You know Dan Aykroyd. I, oh, no, no, I'm, of course. I'm trying to figure out if I know this or not. Yeah, one it of, might one ring half a bell. of the Blues Brothers. Yeah, yeah, I know who Dan Aykroyd is. Uh, I Actually, I, I, of What's course, sad Blues is that the Brothers. only movie I can think of off the top of my head is Caddyshack 2, which sucked. Ugh, yeah. I know. No, I think of um, My Girl. Yeah. Ghostbusters. Was he in Ghostbusters? Okay. Was he in Ghostbusters? Come on now. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm trying to think if I've heard of this encounter before because I feel like I'd remember this. But uh, Dan Aykroyd was filming his new series called Out There. It was a series kind of like, you know, conspiracy sightings files, sightings. Yeah, yeah, it was about it was about conspiracy slash paranormal stuff. Okay. He was filming his new series Out There. Aykroyd claimed that he stepped out of the studio to take a call from Britney Spears. <laughs> Who had starred as you do? Yeah, who had starred beside him as her father in the film Crossroads. So they kind of became oh, friends, apparently. Interesting. Uh, I'm sorry, I've never seen that movie, but Britney Spears had called him to ask him to appear on Aykroyd's old show Saturday Night Live with her. And as he talked, he says he noticed a mysterious black car pull up on a nearby street. Out of the car stepped a very tall, pale man in a black suit that gave him a dirty look before getting back into the car and driving off. Oddly, right after that, producers of the show out there were told to stop shooting the show they were making about UFOs. The show never went to air after that. Wow. So Dan Aykroyd is convinced that. that that was a man in black, that they hmm. that, that is why the show was never never went to air is because they were told not to not to put it out there. Okay. Don't know what I think of that. Hmm. And in one of the more famous later cases if you look at the post about this episode, there's the picture of the two men walking into the hotel lobby, the surveillance footage of the two men in black. On the night of October 14, 2008, the general manager and a security worker at the Sheraton Hotel on the Canadian side of Niagara Falls witnessed a triangular-shaped craft fly slowly and silently over the hotel. They described the craft they witnessed as approximately 240 feet long with three white lights on all three sides and a pulsing red light in the middle of the ship. They observed the UFO for about 10 minutes as it slowly and silently flew at an altitude of around 500 feet east to west from over Niagara's Horseshoe Falls toward their hotel. The craft then emitted a beam of light directed downward towards the water. As they observed the craft, the light beam shifted direction and aimed directly at the two witnesses, which frightened them off. Which it would. Yeah. 
About a week later, the hotel manager was alone in the hotel parking lot at 1 o'clock in the morning when he noticed another black triangle flying in the same direction but at a much higher altitude. About seven months after the two sightings, on May 15th, hotel employees reported a disturbing experience where two men who looked and dressed identically in black trench coats and hats entered the hotel lobby and asked to speak directly to the hotel manager. They approached the hotel bellman, who told the, quote, extremely odd-looking men that the manager was not there that day. The bellman said the two men appeared not to believe him and began walking around the hotel angrily looking for the manager. When the bellman returned for some work tasks, the two men were gone. The hotel manager returned to work the next day, and the bellman took him aside to tell him what had happened and how he felt freaked out by the encounter with the two men, who he described as extremely pale, tall, and identical in looks and dress, including matching hats and trench coats. Skeptical yet alarmed, the manager went to the hotel security office and examined surveillance tapes of the previous day. He located the images of the two men entering the hotel lobby, which is the picture that is online. Yeah. The next day, another hotel employee asked to speak with the manager in private, and she described her encounter with the two men, saying, quote, They asked some questions about you, and they said strange things that I didn't understand, and they were talking about governments and conspiracies, and none of it made any sense to me, but they were very, very scary. They had no facial hair, none. They had no eyebrows, no eyelashes, nothing. Their hair looked like they had a wig on, like the wig was attached to their hat, like it wasn't even real. <laughs> And the scariest thing, their eyes were so big and blue that they almost hypnotized me a little bit. It These, sounds like they're really bad yeah, at yeah, disguises, yes. you know? These men, they didn't blink. Not once did I see them blink. That huh. is what she said. Uh, API then enclosed their investigation of the UFO sightings and the subsequent Men in Black encounter remains unsolved. Interesting. I think and it's that, so that cool. One is, that one is a... cool because I remember seeing the picture mm-hmm. when, that, when that happened. It was in 2008. I remember seeing the picture, but I never realized that... They actually interacted with the people you in the hotel. The I thought hotel. they just entered the hotel and somebody thought it was weird and they posted it. I never knew that they actually mm-hmm. went around and talked to people in the hotel. Isn't it really common that any kind of time they're caught on video or surveillance, their face is sort of blurred out? Yeah, that's that's one, that's another one of the common things. Okay. Uh, paranormal writer Robert Gorman has collected a number of such stories in his article entitled Menace in Black. In one of Gorman's stories, this is one of his stories, there was somebody that saw a UFO, and a couple of days after they saw the UFO, somebody showed up at their house to talk to them. The, the witness said that the face, there were no eyebrows, no eyelashes, no, no signs of stubble on the face. The person at the door acknowledged him by name and specified that they wanted to discuss his UFO sighting, giving the exact date and time of the sighting. The man was confused as to how they had gotten this information, but he refused to let them in. He asked to see some identification, but the visitor ignored him and repeatedly asked to come in. He said, quote, it was almost as if this character could only utter a limited selection of set phrases. Hmm. And you get that a lot where they only are able to say, like... And if they try to say anything else, it just comes out as Yeah, nonsense. it doesn't work. In another encounter, two men that appeared to be in their 20s visited a UFO witness and questioned him briefly. They were never... They never identified themselves and... After the people, after the two people left in a black 1953 Cadillac, the witness called in the plates, and when the plates were checked, they hadn't been issued yet. The plates <laughs> didn't exist. Okay. In another account where somebody witnessed a UFO, the next day at 5.30 p.m., there was a knock on the door. A representative claiming to be from the, quote, Missing Heirs Bureau. You know, <laughs> missing what? Heirs. Like, you owe your own money, like in a will. Oh, okay. You know, heirs. An heir with an H? Yeah, H. Thank you. 
said that he was looking for the UFO witness who had inherited a great deal of money. This investigator dressed in black and stood at least six foot six with an enormous frame, dead white skin, and skinny limbs. His shoes featured unusually thick rubber soles. Despite his size, the visitor spoke in a high tinny voice that issued an emotionless monotone in clip phrases like a computer. Hmm. He invited the guy into the house. I don't know why. Yeah, why did he do that? Uh, so the, the guy sat down on the couch, the man in black sat down on the couch, and the person said, quote, the strange man's two short trousers had ridden up his skinny leg, and a thick green wire came out of his sock and disappeared under his pants. <laughs> the wire seemed to be indented into his leg at one point and was covered by a large brown spot. When the visitor left the house and reached the road, he gave a hand signal and an early 60s black Cadillac pulled up alongside with his headlights out. The stranger climbed into the car and it drove off, its headlights still off. So it's just so, so weird. Many weird things about that. Yeah. I, like, was he was he wearing a wire? I, I don't <laughs> know? know. I don't know. Huh. So I don't know what to make of any of this stuff. One of the new, this is one of the newer things that are kind of tied in with the men in black. My brother told me to listen to the Blurry Photos podcast episode called Mirrored Men. Okay. So he said that kind of had to do with the men in black. So I listened to it and it's really interesting. This is this case that I'm going to say now is basically what mirrored men encounters are like. Okay. This one was somebody called in. The podcast that this first showed up on the mirrored men thing is a podcast called Monsters Among Us. Okay. I've heard which of is it. a good podcast. Mm-hmm. They talk about, you know, Bigfoot stuff, they talk about local legends, you know, werewolves and that kind of stuff. And. That's where these reports of mirrored men started coming in. The host of the show is the one that called them mirrored men. But this is a typical encounter with the mirrored men. It came from a hunter that was deer hunting in Indiana around 2011 or 2012. He went up to a deer stand, climbed his deer stand in the woods. He had masking scent. And he talked about how, you know, when he climbed up the tree, the woods were like completely silent because the animals that were there heard that somebody was around mm-hmm. so you know they all go completely quiet yeah except so, squirrels except they're, squirrels they're jerks yeah i like squirrels they're cute but they're really loud yeah so he climbed up the tree and he said around three o'clock p.m which was a little while after he climbed up the tree he hadn't spotted any deer and the woods were once again alive with the sounds of wildlife so he was up there he was still so you know the animals started making sounds again Suddenly, he caught sight of three figures coming through the woods, almost in a stalking manner. He realized that they didn't have blaze orange on, so he was kind of pissed, thinking that they were hikers, that you don't want to be out in the woods during hunting season without blaze orange on. But then he realized that the sounds of wildlife hadn't stopped. As they reached a clearing, he noticed that the three men were walking perfectly in sync. Every motion was mirrored perfectly. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So when he climbed the deer stand, everything went silent. Yeah. But when these three figures Every, appeared, nothing, everything went back to normal. Everything stayed normal. Like they weren't like there. Like they weren't there. Okay. As they reached a clearing, he noticed that the three men were walking perfectly in sync. Every motion was mirrored exactly, walking in a weird slow motion like they were walking through jello. The three men were dressed in old-fashioned tweed suits. That's and, weird. Yeah. Actually, he, the fact that they're all walking identical yeah. and really slow, that's really creepy. Yeah, that's that's basically what the mirrored men thing is that these men walk. They mirror each yeah, other. Yeah, they walk okay. exactly the same. Hmm. He lifted the scope to his eye to look at the men closer. And as soon as he lifted the scope to his eye, he saw the three men stop, 
They slowly turned their heads and raised their faces to look at him. Nope. He said it was almost like one mind controlled all three bodies. He said the shape of the eyes was off, and the spacing between the nose and mouths were odd. He said the mouths were too long, almost like that of a bullfrog. Next thing he knew, the sun was down, and he was laying on the ground underneath his tree stand. The gun was stuck in the ground, barrel side down. It was 11.17 at night. He had eight hours of nothing. He ran back to his truck. He said he wasn't going to tell anyone, but he decided to tell this after hearing the other stories about mirrored men. And that is how the stories of the mirrored men go. There was one, the first story that started this, there was a, he was a young boy at the time and he lived in like a suburb, a suburban area. Mm -hmm. And he said one night around 11 o'clock, he was looking out the window and they like lived on a little cul-de-sac kind of thing. And he said he looked out and he saw three figures walking side by side. He said they weren't side by side. He said they were like diagonal okay. walking. Yeah. And he said he noticed that their movements were exactly the same. And he said he watched them and he said all at once the three men stopped. And he said they slowly turned around and looked at him looking through the window. That's so creepy. And he said the next thing he knew, he woke up with his head against the window and eight hours had passed. That's what the eight hours. That kind of reminds me of the Grinning Man. Yeah, that story. is exactly like the Grinning Man story. Mm-hmm. But that is, there's a lot. If you listen to this Monsters Among Us podcast, there's a lot of reports of mirrored men, which are basically, it sounds like men in black, but there's three of them and like they're different variety a or different something. variety. Like they're moving completely in sync. And mm-hmm. when they know, they know when you're looking at them. Mm. That's creepy. Yeah. You think you're hidden. You think you're a silent observer, yeah. and all of a sudden they just yeah. stop and look at you. Yeah, the story. With and the, then you lose eight hours. Yeah, the story <laughs> with the guy with the with the scope, where they That's turned and creepy. looked up at him, and they it's he said that when he when they turned and looked up at him is when all the wildlife stopped again. Oh, like it went completely quiet. That's like straight out of a horror movie. Yeah, <laughs> it is. You know. So that's mirrored men. I think that's super interesting, and that's something that I'm gonna keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm gonna keep listening to these stories about them because I'm kind of fascinated by that. Yeah, that's interesting. Don't ever want to see that. No. No, the idea no. of people doing like things about it though in unison like that just kind of creeps me out. Yeah, and I don't know why. It's not right. No, <laughs> something not normal about no. that. So then in 1967, the United States Air Force expressed concern about finding out more about these men in black that were going around scaring people and saying they were from the U.S. Armed Forces. Here is a statement by Colonel George P. Freeman, the spokesman for Project Blue Book at the Pentagon. Project Blue Book was created to investigate UFOs. Okay. He says, quote, Mysterious men dressed in Air Force uniforms or all in black and bearing impressive credentials from government agencies have been silencing UFO witnesses. We have checked a number of these cases, and these men are not connected to the Air Force in any way. We haven't been able to find out anything about these men. By posing as Air Force officers and government agents, they are committing a federal offense. We would like to catch one. Unfortunately, the trail is always too cold by the time we hear about these cases, but we keep trying. Hmm. So that's them saying that they know something's going on, but they don't know what. That sort of legitimizes it a little bit. Yeah. So those are some of the stories about the men in black. So basically, Are we go into theories now. Yep, basically okay. we go to theories. There's basically two theories. There's only two theories. Well, there's two theories and sub theories. We okay. always have sub theories. Okay. The first theory, they're not real. They're People are just making them up. It's an urban legend. Okay. You know, it's totally kind of, could be. It could be. It's kind of like a Slenderman kind of thing, or mm-hmm. Slenderman. Mm-hmm. Slenderman. Slenderman kind of thing, <laughs> where you know it's just people think it's a cool story, so then people start Is that creating blurry photos. S- yeah, <laughs> those blurry photos, <laughs> Slenderman. 
that uh, people think it's a cool story. So then they kind of create their own little side stories about sure. it. And it kind of takes a life of their own. And some people think that's, that's, that's what the men in black are. But, but they, it started in the 40s? Yeah. Hmm. Some people think that they don't exist, that none of this stuff ever happened. Okay. And there's some stuff that, that points towards a lot of these original stories being hoaxes. Oh. That you don't know... If, these people might have been trying to get into magazines and trying to get a little fame from this. Isn't there a, like a legendary photo of a man in black? There's a couple different photos. The, it's like black and white. Yeah, I know which one you're saying. And he's standing yeah. in a doorway. Well, and there's one where they're outside. At a bus, like a bus station yeah. or something. Yeah, if you look online, you'll see pictures. But people said those, those could just be, be people. Yeah. yeah, they could just be people that happen to be wearing black suits well, that day. And, and in that day and time where men wore hats. Yeah. Women wore dresses, men wore hats, whether they were going to the grocery store, they yep. wore suits. That's they don't go to the store in the sweat in their sweats like they do yeah. now. That was but, very common. Uh Bender, the one that started kind of started this thing, was known to have some issues. And in 1953, a document called the Robertson Panel Report was released by the CIA detailing their conclusions from a special panel that had reviewed Project Blue Book to determine if UFO reports posed any threat to national security. The conclusion was that they didn't. However, buried deep within a report was a reference to private UFO enthusiast groups. The panel looked into the existence of such groups as the Civilian Flying Saucer Investigators of Los Angeles or the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization of Wisconsin. It was believed that such organizations should be watched because of their potentially great influence on mass thinking if widespread sighting should occur. The apparent irresponsibility and the possible use of such groups for subversive purposes should be kept in mind. They think Bender read this and he began to get paranoid that the government was watching the UFO groups. Okay. So they suspect that Bender maybe his that these men in black didn't come to visit him, that it was just his paranoid okay. mind yeah. that he kind of made that up. That, I can kind of see that. that. That the whole ball of wax kind of started going from there. Where, Suddenly you started making big things yeah, out of nothing. Yeah, and then people started making, making other stories about men in black. Sure, okay. So, you know, this theory says that the stories since then have either been the results of mistaken identity, paranoia, people telling lies, or other people pretending to be men in black for a laugh. Which is a thing. Uh, the, the Sofa King podcast guy said that if they didn't have jobs, they would like to like go look on Instagram for when somebody posted like, oh, I saw this weird UFO the other day, and go then put on them. black suits oh, and then geez. go to their house, you know, just for a laugh. And that could be what some of this is, is people just doing this for the hell of it. You know, so that's one of the theories is that none of this is real, that there's no men in black visiting people, that there's never been men in black visiting people. Okay. You know, a lot of people think John Keel kind of embellished a lot of stuff he wrote. So it's it's possible that this is just an urban legend. Totally possible. Yep. I buy it. Big theory number two, it's real. <laughs> it's black or white. It's always, it's always real or not real. Those are always the big theories. Yep. <laughs> uh, as far as being real, theory number one underneath that is that they are paranormal slash otherworldly creatures. And that okay. seems pretty, you know obvious from some of the definitely not normal no that seems obvious from some of the shenanigans they do like yeah the, like the making the coin disappear in the hand yeah. and and lost time yeah the lost time and they're weird staring at a glass of water instead of drinking it right like it just none of it makes sense 
you know, they think that these could be alien human hybrids or that mm-hmm. they could be trans-dimensional creatures. They could be robots for some reason. And a lot of, like so many of the cases, and this was even before computers, we're talking back in the 50s, a lot of people said that their voices sounded mechanical. Like mm-hmm. it was, like when you would call the time back in the day yeah. and it would have that robotic voice telling you the time. A lot of people said that that's what their voices were like. And so, so much of this is so in line with Black Eyed Kids. It's yeah, crazy. yeah. Yep. And they are connected with black-eyed kids. Yeah, yes, they are. Um, so people think that's possibly robots. Uh, some people think that it's possibly time travelers. That's possibly us in the future. Um, paranormal We're researcher. Really weird in the future. I know. <laughs> paranormal researcher and author Joshua P. Warren says, quote, If you have a situation in which the timelines are being constantly changed in an unauthorized way by some of these paratemporal travelers from far in the future, then obviously you're going to have these men in black pop up there to try to get the timeline back under control. And that's why when you take something like what happened at Point Pleasant in the 1960s, we have a variety, a whole spectrum of paranormal activity and strange creatures, and then the men in black suddenly appear. So it could be that the men in black follow all of this stuff around. That's their job. Not that they're causing trouble. Uh, They're actually alerted to trouble when there's a dangerous timeline issue that needs to be corrected. They're not necessarily the bad guys at all. They might be doing damage control. And maybe that includes warning and silencing witnesses to to protect the time travel secret. That might be weird, and they might look weird, but their overall mission might just be to keep order and protect the timelines. Don't know. Krista gave gave an eyebrow raise to that. So that's one of the theories is that they're us in the future and that... Well, future us, stop being so weird. Yeah, I mean, stop. <laughs> Learn how to eat Jello. You don't drink Jello. So drink that's one the of, water. That's one of the that's one of the theories. Is that they're uh, a paranormal, otherworldly aliens, robots, I time like travelers, aliens or alien hybrids. Yeah, but it's so much. Of this doesn't make sense. I mean, it really doesn't. That, no. That's why I kept flip flopping around what I believe. I honestly don't know. What the- about like? Um, Okay, move forward. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about what we believe after. Okay. Uh, sub theory two, under them being real, is that they are a legit government group who have stories made up about them, that they actually exist as a... But it's as, just been embellished. That it's been embellished, years. that it's just okay. a, a government group that goes around, and if you see a UFO, they're like, hey, don't tell shut anybody. Shut the F up. <laughs> yeah, shut the F up. Don't tell anybody. They're you know. not making coins disappear and no. they know how to drink water. Can I look at a glass of water? <laughs> no. So th- that's one of the theories is that they're a legit group. and that, But I don't know. There's like nobody seems to know that they exist. From what I read, when somebody asks them to see their credentials, they either don't show the person credentials or they show them a badge that just says U.S. government. Something oh. cheesy like that that makes like no sense. Print you know, like internet. I could do that right. on my computer. So that's sub-theory, too, is that they are a legit government group who just go around, but things get embellished. And sub-theory number three, and I like this one, and I kind of buy this one, they are a legit government group who are purposely doing strange things to confuse the situation slash disinformation slash take focus away from the real secret. And that's, this is this has actually plausible. happened. I don't want to get too much into this. I don't want to get too much into this next part because this is going to come up in another episode that okay. I want to do. Mm-hmm. A man named Richard C. Doty worked for the United States Air Force Office of Special Investigations at Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, New Mexico. In the late 1970s, Albuquerque ufologist Paul Benowitz was convinced that there was a UFO base that was either part of or very close to a nearby military installation. 
Doty says he was ordered to be Benowitz's military contact, both to find out if Benowitz's explorations or theories might have compromised any actual classified Air Force activity, and to purposely feed Benowitz false evidence and information confirming his alien beliefs, distracting him away from any actual classified activity. Hmm. Like at one point, Benowitz said that he thought a ship had crashed at a certain point out in, out in the desert near him. So Doty and his superiors, they, they gave Doty a bunch of weird metal pieces and had him go out and plant them oh, and then took Benowitz out there to show him, <laughs> yeah, you were right, an, a craft did crash here. This eventually resulted in Benowitz being hospitalized in a mental institution due to severe mental deterioration and paranoia. Wow. So they basically purposely drove this guy nuts. Well played. Yeah. Government. You know, just, just because this guy was so concerned about the nearby military installation wow. that... They drove him... Cuckoo. And that's that's why people... And this is a, a legit thing. This happened. And that's right. why people think that it's possible that this is a government group that is purposely doing these strange things. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like they said on one of the podcasts I listened to, they said... It's one thing if you go to somebody at work and be like, dude, I saw a UFO the other night. It was really weird. Right. But it's another thing if you go to work and you're like, dude, I saw a UFO. And then this guy dressed in black came to my house and made a coin disappear. Yeah, suddenly it's <laughs> you know, about the men suddenly, in black. Yeah, suddenly it's... That's what stays yeah. with you, So not suddenly the UFO. it's just... And it also is like this dude's, you know, a few fries short of a Happy Meal. Right. So it's making the people look crazy that right. they don't want to tell people about their UFO sightings because it has this other crazy stuff connected to it. Hmm. You know, so the person kind of loses some credibility when they say, yeah, this guy came and he had wires sticking out of his leg and, right. you know, so <laughs> know what to do with it's Jello. actually a really intelligent idea to do that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's a clever, it's a clever disinformation sure. technique. So that, those are the three theories. Hmm. I, I'm, I, not real, real, real and, and real, it's paranormal or otherworldly creatures a legit government group who does really exist or a legit government group who are purposely doing strange things to confuse the situation. Hmm. And I kind of go towards that last one. I mean, I can buy it. Totally. I, I can buy it too. And who's to say that the guy that made the coin disappear, you know, wasn't some kind David of Blaine does that all the time. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maybe he just is like, look at this coin. No, it's gone. You know, mm, and then I haven't seen him lately. Maybe no. he's become a men in <laughs> he black. He might have. So, uh, yeah. David Copperfield, what are you doing now? You wearing black suits? I don't like David Copperfield. Oh. I've heard a lot of bad stuff about him. Oh, really? Yeah. Anyway. It's <laughs> a different episode. That's a different episode. <laughs> but yeah, so those are the three theories. I, I constantly go back and forth between they are a paranormal or otherworldly kind of creature and they are a legit government group who is purposely doing these oddball things in order to throw people off the actual, you know, the actual situation mm-hmm. yeah which makes a lot of sense the old bait and switch I, but I it do. also seems like a lot of like unnecessary right you know like not being able to string coherent sentences together yeah. and and having these 1953 sedans and all that stuff running low on batteries. running low I on mean, batteries but it's just it's just so weird that if it's an if it's it is very o- elaborate yeah Let's if it is it otherworldly way. creatures it's just weird that they're stuck in this 40s gangster you know right. suits fedora like they're stuck in this weird like if they're trying to blend in that would have worked back in the 40s and 50s but these days it wouldn't yeah so i don't know i honestly don't know what i think that's why it feels otherworldly to me because they don't know what to do or how to act or 
what to do with everyday items kind of yeah. thing. You know? And there's been a lot of reports of them threatening, like when they threaten a guy's wife or they threaten a family, but there's never been any like Follow actual them. violence, it sounds like. Yeah. Like they come in and threaten them, and if that doesn't work, oh well. Hmm. So I don't know. I'm 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 stumped on this. Yeah, me too. I to me it almost feels like urban legend. Yeah. I mean so much of it feels like it's and I hate that. I had said that and I think in the last episode that I hate that. I feel like researching this stuff is making me more of a skeptic because I liked believing in all this stuff. And now the more I dig into it, the more I'm like, you know, some of this stuff is kind of... <laughs> this might not be real. This might not be real. <laughs> so, but there's... Uh, I might link on the Facebook page. There's a page where somebody has a whole ton of chronological stories about visits from the men in black. So I might put that on the Facebook page. But there's so, there's so many stories that I don't think that all of them could be fabrications. Right. You know, I don't think that that many. So I don't know. That's how I feel about Bigfoot. I know. (laughs) Well, strangers, if you've had an encounter with a man in black or men in black, we would love to hear about it. Yeah. And let us know what you, maybe I'll put a poll up on Facebook about what you think these are, because I honestly, usually I have one of them that I lean towards. And on this one, I literally don't know. I honestly don't know. It's a crapshoot. Sometimes I think it's fake. Sometimes I think they're weird alien type bullfrog mouth guys and sometimes i think that they're just (laughs) government agents doing disinformation i don't know i'm flat out stumped sorry don't have an answer for you guys yeah because i could i feel like any of those could be viable yeah truly if they're real at all you know we're putting this stuff out there why don't we get visits by the men in black totally or those sexy women in the white uniforms i'm okay (laughs) with that those don't exist exist Uh, no, that's a good question. Yeah, you know, it's we like we talk about this stuff all the time. Why do we some don't talk people, about aliens a whole lot? But why do some people see UFOs and then nobody bothers them, and some people see UFOs and then these guys supposedly show up? Yeah, I don't know. So maybe it's your personality. Are you going to go blab it out? We are talking on a podcast to you know a lot of people right now, so we would qualify as the type of person they would want to silence. That's true. I maybe would think I'll, maybe we'll see a black. Jeez. <laughs> You are Why jumpy. Why did that scare me? It I don't know. Scared me before. It really scared me this time. The, the refrigerator turned on, and I just about jumped out of my chair. And she's a ghost hunter, folks. <laughs> she is a ghost hunter. But it turned on before when it was completely silent in here before we started recording. Well, that's because now you're thinking about me. you're thinking I about am. this. Stuff. I totally am. That's you're so jumpy. It. That just amazes me. <laughs> so, guys, let us know what you think. Yeah. Men in black. Yay. Nay. I really like the mirrored men stuff. Yeah, that's that's cool. I've but never that, heard to that me, before. that's almost like a creepypasta version yeah, of the men the in black. That they took the me, the creepy men in black stuff and like multiplied it with the the strange mirrored movements and mm-hmm. them turning their heads really slow to notice you. I don't know. I think that's fascinating. I'm gonna keep listening to the Monsters Among Us podcast because I really like listening to the mirrored men stories. But cool. I'm at a loss, guys. Sorry. I don't know what to say about this. <laughs> I don't know if it's real. That's okay. We don't always have to have an no. answer or an opinion. I would love to talk to somebody who's had an encounter. Who's had an encounter. Yeah, I really would sure. because I feel like I could better gauge if they're telling the truth or not, if I'm actually person, talking to the person. Yeah, not just reading a thread on Reddit or something. Yeah. So I don't know. Let us know what you guys think. As always, I'll put a poll up on Facebook. Curious to see what you guys think if, if it's real or not real. Cool. So there's Men in Black. So do we have some questions to answer? We do have a question to answer. It's only a, one or two. Maybe maybe two. It's a more recent one because I forgot <laughs> the password for the site. So 
these are the last two. This it also emails it to us. So these are the last two that were emailed to While us. While Kurt is uh, loading that, we, it's not the only mishap that happened today. So earlier, if you were lucky enough to see it, we posted a picture of us <laughs> <laughs> that I had to quickly delete because I realized I had food in my teeth. <laughs> because Kurt bought me a sub on the way here, and uh, it had spinach in it, and I didn't check my teeth before taking the selfie. And I had to quickly delete the photo from Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, a, and Facebook. She had a nice big grin with green, green globs between blob her in teeth. My teeth. Yeah, it was awesome. So we had to repost it and retake the picture, repost it. And I thought I looked so much better in the first one. Yeah, I told Kurt Maybe I'll crap that you out of that my one. crappy <laughs> food in the teeth totally trumps his dorky picture in the second <laughs> one. So, so <laughs> that was funny. Question <laughs> for today is... um, Um... Oh, this is weird because I, I literally just thought about this the other day. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. The question is, when you do pass, do either of you think you would or could become ghosts? I thought about this just the other day. It's, is it weird that I've never actually even... Yeah, you know, it, we is kinda, it is kind of... <laughs> I've never thought about that this. we're ghost hunters, it is weird that you've never considered that. Well, and we always joke around with each other that, okay, if you die, you totally have to come give me a sign. Like, yeah. you have to say something or, you know, whatever. So I guess we've always just assumed that that would happen. Yeah. Like, I'm joking, but I also kind of mean it. Like, you have to let me know you're okay kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know what I what I just want. I mean, I talked about that with my friend Miranda. It's like part of me wants to part of me wants to be able to come back and say, "Hey, look, I'm here," but I also don't want to do it in a creepy ass way, like be that weird jerky ghost thing that's walking in your hallway, herky jerky ghost, and get stuck here and not be able to. I don't know. Maybe you don't have a choice. I don't know, but this is weird because I literally was thinking about this the other day. And I feel like this comes up into my thing that we've talked about a couple times, like about how you and I don't think we can get possessed because we have such clamps on our mind. Mm-hmm. Like we, ha- I have that weird fear of not being in control of my thoughts. Yeah. Which is why I don't do drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, I drink. But like I said, I've been, I've been the drunkest I've ever been. I know what I'm doing. I'm not doing something that I wouldn't normally do. Right. You know, Me there's too. always like a part of my mind that's always, I'm always on. in control. Yeah. I said, sometimes I'm afraid to fall asleep at night because that's giving up control. And that's one of the things that freaked me out so much about passing out when they took my blood. Yeah. Cause you were out because, of because I was out and I, that, that stuff just mm-hmm. kind of freaks me out. And part of me thinks that when I die, that part of me is going to be, no, you're not going, you're not going anywhere. And that I will stay will as a stay ghost. Here. I really think that that, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah, I don't know. You know, but I I just I think that, that, that I just feel here. like I am going to stick around as a ghost, whether I want to or not, just because of the way that's that's the way my mind works. If I were given a choice, I would want to visit some key people yeah. just to let them know I'm okay. And yeah. then I would want to move on to whatever's next. Yeah. I don't want to be stuck here. Part of me would like to like be a guardian angel type thing and, and mm-hmm. help people that I care about, you know, but I don't know. I don't know. This gets into the whole thing that lately I've been... It used to never scare me to think about dying, but lately it does because it's like... As you get older, your mortality... Yeah, as you, as, you get ol- as you get older, this stuff gets scary. You think about it, yeah. yeah. you think about it a lot more. And it it's, seemed it's, like something that was so far away when yeah. we were younger, and now that we're like middle-aged, yeah. it's, it's like, it's, oh, crap, it's right around the corner. Yeah, so it's creepy, and it, it, it makes you think about what there is, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of a deep. <laughs> it is a deep. I do want to. I do want to have a show coming up about life after death experiences okay, cool. or near death experiences. Near death, yeah. 
So I do think that I am going to stick around as a ghost, whether I want to or not, just because that's the way I am. I would just want to briefly stick around and then move on. Wow. Good question. Whoever asked that, that was deep. We have time for one more. That one kind of blew my mind. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) Another one? Dark question. Okay. If you had a child, would you rather they grew up to be a serial killer or a victim of a serial killer? Oh, come on. (laughs) That's a tough one. I guess a victim. I wouldn't. Do you know how guilty you would feel? I always think about that. I always think about like their suffering would end I, quickly. Yeah. I always think I think a lot about BTK. I mean, I don't ever want to lose I, I don't have any kids, but I would never want to lose a child. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to know that I raised a monster. No. <laughs> and that they and caused I, so you many don't other like people. The, the, like 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 BTK, the serial killer BTK. It's like Yeah. You know, I always think about what his daughter how do you deal with that when somebody in your family ends up being a serial killer? I've seen interviews with Jeffrey Dahmer's parents. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. the dad is kind of strange, but I, I think the mom was crying through most of the interview. I mean, yeah. I mean, how, how hard is that to know that, that person your child you thought you knew took how many lives? Right. That would be really hard. You'd always have to live with the guilt of wondering, did you do something wrong? But did is it easier to, it? is it easier to lose to a child lose to a, a child? serial killer? I don't know. At least you know they're, if there's a heaven, they're going there. <laughs> that's, that's one way to look at it. We live in Wisconsin, so there's no death penalty. So I guess you wouldn't have to worry about your serial killer child being put to death. Although Jeffrey Dahmer got beaten to death in prison. Now, if you could do a, a Dexter type thing where you had only him be a serial, serial killer killers? that only killed bad people. I could, I'd, I'd be okay Well, sure, with that. I'd prefer that over my yeah. child being killed yeah. or killing innocent people. God, I don't know. I honestly Tough. don't. I, honestly, I don't like would you rather questions. Yeah, I honestly don't know. <laughs> because they're always the choice between two really crappy things. Probably killed by a serial killer. I know, right? That's terrible. I but... could not. I could. I don't know if I could live with that, with knowing that my child killed a bunch, killed of, a bunch of innocent people. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird. I, I, bet if you, I, I bet if you asked a parent of a serial killer, though, they'd have a different answer. Probably. They can still go visit their child in prison or whatever. Yeah, but they always have to be questioning what they did wrong. Right. I mean, they yeah. don't. They have to blame themselves. Of course you would. Yeah. Wow. I think it's chemical, though. I Do you think so? Yeah. You th- you think it's determined that they're going to be a serial killer before they're even raised? I think that there, I think circumstances can, you know, contribute. Yeah. I, I used to listen to my favorite murder a lot, and there were a lot of killers who suffered head injuries when they were kids. Yeah. Some kind of head trauma. Yeah. I feel like you, it's either chemical, you're born with some kind of imbalance, or you have something that happens traumatic that can mess up your brain in some way. I don't know if it's... So do you think it's know. conditional? Like if you're beaten as a child and, and raped as a child, that you're going to grow that. up to be... No, I don't know about that. I think your circumstances can probably, and your upbringing can probably play a part in it, but to turn you into something that kills a bunch of people, I feel like... I don't I don't know. 
I've yeah. I've always, and I don't remember if I've ever said this on here, one of the, my dream jobs, I would have loved to have been a serial killer profiler. Hmm. Yeah, I'm fascinated by serial killers. I mean, I just... Just a profiler in general. It in just, general. I've always been fascinated by them because like you and I have talked about, I can't, if I don't know somebody and I feel like I hurt their feelings, it can legitimately bother me all day oh, knowing yeah. that I, I hurt this empath. person's feelings. We're empaths. So That's yeah, right. so it, it just amazes me that there's people out there that can kill somebody right. And, and then not, do it again. And do it again. And and it doesn't affect them. Right. That's so why I'm, I think I'm it's fascinated be... by that whole th- by that whole thing, how that is completely different than the way I think. Maybe it's and maybe that's how I justify it. They have to be they have to be crazy. That's not a good word to use. They have to be mentally insane or something. Psychopath. They can't be a normal person because a normal person wouldn't do that. Yeah. So and you think I, you think could severe childhood trauma like being, you know, beaten, whatever as a child I, I guess that i'm sure that probably could produce those kind of results but a lot of these kids a lot of the serial ki- serial killers i think grew up in normal families yeah. yeah jeffrey dahmer did yeah so you think it's in you from the start basically i think it can be huh i think more often than not there's something wrong with you from the get-go that's why that kid is abusing small animals and yeah. it's not normal no wow that's. I don't like that question. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was a deep you just question. Went on a rabbit hole. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah. So I, I, what? what? Shirts like cash now. <laughs> yeah, I'm. 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 Yep. Spent. I don't know. Definitely. It, I. 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 I'd have to go with being the victim of a serial killer, but yeah, I cannot I imagine how. How horrible. Either that one is, is horrible. Too. Either one is horrible. No, but that's how that game works, though. Neither choice is a good one. It's the lesser of the two evils, like voting for president. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So right. what can we talk about to end on a little? Uh, <laughs> I think we should post these questions on the strangers so that our, yeah, our so strangers that they can, can answer, answer them. It. Yep. Whoever so, answers those questions, thank you. Those were good, deep questions. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Yeah. We my mind's kind of blown from that. But what, can, what happiness can we end on? <laughs> Um, Have you watched anything good lately or read anything good the lately? The Staircase. So somebody oh, yeah. I, brought st- I up, still need to watch oh, The Staircase. It's so good. Somebody brought up The Staircase on The Strangers. And did you see the picture I posted of that actor? I can't think of what his name is, but he was in Scrubs. He looks just like the, the main guy in The Dr. Staircase. Dr. Cox? Was it and the one? Maybe. He's got like reddish curly yeah, hair. That's, yeah, that's Dr. Cox. I love Scrubs. So I love the show Scrubs. all I picture every time I watch yes. The Staircase. Yep. It's so funny. I need to watch The Staircase. It's really good. Like the first, I, my husband and I are watching it together and the first episode we were like in. Yeah. And you go back and forth through the whole show. Oh, he's guilty. Oh no, he didn't do it. Nope, he didn't. Oh, he is so guilty. Like <laughs> you just cannot, you can't figure out. I mean, it, it is kind of biased because most of the footage is of him working with his lawyers, but there's just certain things that you can't quite get past. Yeah. That, that you just can't I quite justify. That. I need it's to watch that. It's really, really good. I still, I do need to watch Making a Murder. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Even though, like I said, living in Manitowoc and knowing. You know, I asked my coach. I work at a place where we call our boss's coach. I, I asked her. We, we started talking about Netflix and shows that are on Netflix. And I mentioned The Staircase. And she was like, oh, yeah, I have that in my list of stuff to watch. And I was like, did you ever watch The Making of a Murderer? And she said, "No, I lived in Manitowoc." And she's like, "I can't relive no, that whole that's, thing." No, that's that's one of the reasons why I I mean I'm I I'm 
I know Avery's and I know Dassey's and I know people who were friends with Teresa Halbach. Mm-hmm. So it's very And I worked personal. at the sheriff's department. <laughs> yeah. And you worked at the sheriff's department. So, but I'm, I, you know, I'm not connected to it the same way that people who live there were. Yeah. I didn't live there. I just worked at the sheriff's department where all those detectives happened to be working. And was I it, were you working there at the time when all that was going on? Uh, during some of the trial period I was. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Wow. I miss you working there. Yeah, because we used to have coffee every week. Yes, we did. It was awesome. So there, that's a pretty good note to end on. <laughs> yeah, that's a not more depressing at all. <laughs> oh, us having coffee together? Yeah. Yeah. I miss that. Jen's Java. Jen's Java, Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Good stuff. Love the place. Yeah. Cool. I'm actually Googling Teresa Halbach to see what the dates were of like the oh. whole timeline. Make sure I'm not lying. <laughs> I don't think you're but lying. I do remember um, press conferences being held outside the sheriff's department though really yeah so wow that's really cool mm-hmm. they didn't interview you for the no inter- no <laughs> why no. would they I don't know. <laughs> so yeah so that's it from us you guys let us know what you think as always and send us some postcards we love yeah, postcards definitely. or send us anything within reason that you would like to send us yeah We'll, we'll potentially taste test something if it's completely, if yeah, it's, the wrapper not, is intact. Yeah, not if it's <laughs> it hasn't a, been tampered like with said, in any way, Not if it's a brownie in a baggie. Form. It's a brownie right. in a baggie. We're not going to eat it. Nope. I might eat it if I'm really hungry. We'll see. <laughs> if you're hungry enough. So <laughs> that's it from us. So we will see you guys again soon. Until next Until time. Until next time. Stay, stay strange. strange. This has been an Old School Media production, executive produced by Kirk Konechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com.